eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa. So sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Johnji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Johnji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to johnji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at johnji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I dot com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Taylor, did you ever read The Onion? Oh, yeah. I love The especially like big news events. They have always got the best take. For listeners who don't know, it's a satirical news outlet. I think it's hilarious. And about a decade ago, their target was Vice President Joe Biden. They essentially painted him as this mess of a dude. Headlines included, shirtless Biden washes Trans Am in White House driveway. Uh, Biden loses control of butterfly knife during commencement speech. (laughs) It's my favorite. I love that one. Biden hitchhikes to Democratic National Convention. Told me all a man needs to sleep is a bench to lie on and a cold one to nurse him to bed. I said it might be a little dangerous out there alone. He said he was carrying his butterfly knife and that he just got his green belt in Taekwondo. He's like the he's the closest a president has ever come to being the Fonz. He does have a vibe. I mean, he wears aviators a lot. He's got a car collection. I mean, there's a video of him doing burnouts with Jay Leno in his 1967 Chevrolet Stingray. (laughs) Try your brakes. They're good. (laughs) Taylor, do do you get I'm going to tackle the climate crisis vibes from this version of Joe Biden? No, I get like, I'm going to hit Route 66. Exactly. He feels like the Democrats of old, you know, all about like blue collar jobs and unions. But during his 2020 campaign, Biden's website called him a climate change pioneer. I mean, he actually promised a clean energy revolution, carbon neutral by 2050, more electric cars, solar and wind farms, way less fossil fuels. 
We can and we will solve the climate, the climate crisis. And we'll build back better than we were before. These were big promises made during a pivotal moment in the world's efforts to curb the worst impacts of climate change. Now that Biden has announced his re-election campaign, I want to know, how's he doing? How you doing? How you doing, Joe? Hey. Come on, let's, let's do, do it. I'd like to do that. Sounds good. I'm Nate Hedgie. I'm Taylor Quimby. And today on Outside In, we are going to find out whether Biden is holding true to his promises on climate change. What's he doing right? Where is he catching flack? And should Biden be an octopus or a bighorn sheep? I didn't know we were doing a role play here in this episode, Nate. It's Outside In, man. Got to bring in the animals. <laughs> but trust me, that metaphor, it will make sense soon. Stay tuned. I remember like 20 years ago when we talked about climate change, it was like this big, scary thing that was coming our way, right? Like like it was a dark storm in the distance, all melting ice caps, Al Gore, PowerPoints. But the climate crisis definitely feels here now, right? Like I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts back in April. I mean, it hit 90 degrees in Montana. Oh my God, same here. And we did not get a lot of snow in New Hampshire this year. It felt, I mean, it was creepy. And No big surprise, but in order to stop the climate crisis from getting much worse, experts say we need to drastically reduce greenhouse gas emissions as quickly as possible. Countries can do that by revamping two big sectors of their economy, transportation and power generation. They account for two-thirds of all greenhouse gas emissions because they mostly rely on fossil fuels. Which is obviously a worldwide problem, but the U.S. is one of the biggest contributors. So, yeah, we have an outsized slice. Experts say the next few years are going to be pivotal if we want to keep warming below two degrees Celsius. So this is where Joe Biden comes in, right? Like as president, he has immense power to steer federal policy. And if you were to ask him how he's doing, he'd probably say, I don't know, Taylor, we're doing a bang up job on climate. What are you, a mobster? That was a terrible impression. (laughs) But seriously, Here's Biden giving a speech to other world leaders a few weeks ago. The United States is taking a bold action to put our energy sector on a path toward net zero emissions by no later than 2050. Through measures like our Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, we're investing tens of billions of dollars in the scale up of new technologies like offshore wind, advanced nuclear and clean hydrogen. These two bills, the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, are the biggest investment Congress has ever made to combat the climate crisis. They're pouring money into renewables. They're providing tax credits for making and buying EVs, investing billions into new charging stations across the country. That sounds like a a point in his favor, for sure. And Biden also rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement. I mean, he also just announced proposed rules to limit emissions from car tailpipes and power plants created two new national monuments. I mean, this is all sounding very pro-environment, pro-climate, right? Yeah. And, and the world stage thing, the Paris Climate Agreement, like that, you know, that's a that's a big deal. It's just like getting U.S. back on the table. But there is one very big thing Biden has not done. Something that academics, environmentalists, energy experts, they all say is essential to getting to his goal of net zero by 2050. Which is what? Cut down on fossil fuels. 
what President Biden promised when he came into office was to actually stop new oil and gas leasing. Yet, since he's come into office, we have seen the exact opposite, but to a degree that is unfathomable. So that's Jean Sue. She's the Energy Justice Director for the nonprofit Center for Biological Diversity. And she's obviously not pleased with Joe. Very disappointed. And that's because the Biden administration is approving new drilling projects and pipelines left and right. More than Trump did during his first two years in office, Taylor. More than Trump. Wow. And we are breaking records when it comes to fossil fuel production. More natural gas than ever before, more crude exports than ever before. To give an example, this spring, Biden approved the Willow Project. It's a controversial, massive drilling venture in the Alaskan Arctic. That one project is equivalent to the emissions of 70 coal-fired power plants. Just after Willow, Biden approved a big natural gas pipeline from Alaska. That is 10 times the greenhouse gas emissions that the Willow Project is. Even the Inflation Reduction Act, that huge piece of climate legislation, came with some significant fossil fuel giveaways. It required continued oil and gas leasing on public lands and waters for the next decade, pave the way for streamlined permitting for new pipelines. You know, any five-year-olds can tell you that the reason we have a climate emergency is because of fossil fuels. And the Biden administration is not hiding this. I mean, they are bragging about it. Here's Biden's energy secretary during a press conference last summer. Under this president, the country is producing more oil on average than it did during the Bush, Obama, or Trump administrations. Um, but still, we One of the questions that, you know, one has to grapple with in terms of the Biden presidency is if you don't stop fossil fuels and you're actually pressing the gas, so to speak, on more fossil fuels, then what does it mean um, to be a climate president? And I, I think any kind of from a climate science perspective, it actually is a pretty bad picture on balance. So, Gene Sue. Not a fan. Which, you know, I can really understand from her perspective because it's always two sides to the climate coin, right? Which is like you've got to mm -hmm. you've got to transition to one thing, but you've also got to like distance yourself from the other. So there's always uh, efforts on like accountability for fossil fuel companies, lowering or getting rid of subsidies for fossil fuels. And it sounds like Joe Biden is doing a really good job at one of those things, maybe, and not the other. Yes. But what if, Taylor, what if? This is all part of some grand plan, a masterful strategy to guide this very divisive, highly polarized democracy towards net zero by 2050. So, so Biden as like the ultimate chess master. Yes, Biden's gambit. <laughs> That's coming up right after the break. But first, oh my God, if there was ever an episode to write in or call with your thoughts, this is it. Do you think Biden is a successful climate president? I mean, what's he doing wrong? What do you like? Are you going to vote for him next year? Another election is coming up. <sighs> Four years has never felt so fast. Anyways, leave us a message at 1-844-GO-OTTER or send us a voice memo to outsidein at nhpr.org. We'll be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Nate here. Have you ever dreamed of going on the voyages of some of the most famous and not-so-famous explorers in history? If so, then you should check out the Explorers podcast. Host Matt Breen takes you into jungles and frigid wastelands, across deserts and oceans, and to the top of great mountains as you explore the triumph, glory, and tragedy of each explorer. There are extraordinary stories of Shackleton, Magellan, Cook, Lewis and Clark, and so many other daring people from all across the world and from throughout history. Each explorer's story is told in rich, immersive detail. And each topic is given as much time as needed to tell the whole tale, ranging from 30 minutes to 10 hours. There's something for everyone. Find the Explorers Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or go to explorerspodcast.com to learn more. I'm Nate Hedgy. I'm Taylor Quimby. And Taylor, there's this guy in my town. He's nicknamed Greg the Octopus. He actually looks more like an owl with these big glasses and fluffy white sideburns. Okay. But Greg is known as the octopus because he can play up to 75 games of chess at once. And he'll win a lot of them. Look to G6. Yeah. Wink. That is impressive. I can barely play one. I mean, he always tells people he took Bobby Fischer to a draw. Yeah, but I think that's what all like good people at chess say. <laughs> <laughs> I met Bobby Fischer on the street one day. And... I smoked him. <laughs> Anyways, for this next bit, I want us to think of Biden as Joe the Octopus, playing dozens of games of political chess with the one goal of getting the United States to become a carbon-neutral country. He's a smart politician, and that's why he has been able to accomplish a lot, given the concern which he's operating that's Asim Prakash. He's a political science professor at the University of Washington, specializes in climate policy. He's a big proponent of the Joe the Octopus theory, that all these quote-unquote fossil fuel giveaways are actually strategies to shore up political support from key moderates for his more ambitious climate goals. I think the president needs to maintain his political capital so that he can lean on the swing voters, lean on the swing legislators to support his agenda. Take the Willow Project. This is the giant Alaskan oil venture that a lot of climate activists have really condemned. Yes. It was pushed hard by a moderate in Alaska, Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski. And she's a swing boat. Which is super important when uh, the, the Democrats have such razor-thin margins in the Senate, right? Absolutely. And Willow is one of Murkowski's pet projects. She claims it'll create thousands of new jobs and billions in new revenue for a state that relies on oil for its tax base. So Biden approves it. He thinks, in his political calculations, keeping Alaska delegation in good humor is important. So, Nate, I get the politics piece, but if the Willow Project is also going to pump a ton of carbon into the atmosphere, um, I don't know. Like, it's estimated to hold 600 million barrels of crude. I do not see how you can argue that's going to help us get to net zero. Yeah, but you're also making an assumption that the Willow Project actually happens, at least at the scale that it's being planned. This is some chess master business. Please explain. (laughs) So ConocoPhillips is the company behind Willow, and they say it won't actually be operational until at least 2028 or 2029. And it could be a lot longer if lawsuits from environmental groups are successful. So Biden is 
potentially making a gamble that the country will have transitioned to way more renewables and electric cars before the Willow Project really ramps up. So a lot of that oil will actually just stay in the ground because of market forces. He's, he's approving a thing that he thinks won't happen. Right. At least that's what Asim thinks. If through electrification of the auto industry, you drastically reduce the demand for oil, then Willow Project becomes what you call a standard asset. Its economic value is much less than what was anticipated in the future. A stranded asset. This feels like a CIA movie. <laughs> <laughs> Biden and his aviators. We're going to make it a stranded <laughs> asset. I can't do Biden. I can't do Biden. This gamble might actually work. Transportation accounts for about 60% of global oil demand. The world's leading energy agency says more than half of all new vehicles sold in Europe, China, and the U.S. will be electric by 2030. And that global oil production could begin declining as early as next year. But, but what about all the oil and gas production right now? Because you pointed out we're like hitting record levels. Mm-hmm. And Biden had a campaign promise that he broke to end all new oil and gas leasing on federal lands. So that could be another chess move from Joe the Octopus. The idea is that if you want monumental change in a hyper-polarized country, one where you need every single vote, then you got to give the people carrots, not sticks. So, Taylor, do you remember last year when gas prices were really high? Yeah, and anything north of $5 a gallon is, like, pretty hard to miss, I think. (laughs) Yeah, and we should say high gas prices weren't the fault of Biden's environmental policies. No, no. I've heard that the presidency has very little they can do about gas prices. This was, like, global forces, the war in Ukraine. Absolutely. But Republicans pounced anyway. Here's Senator Ted Cruz at a press conference last summer. This is deliberate. It's not an accident. It's the radical Green New Deal politics because Joe Biden believes if gas is $5 a gallon or $6 a gallon or $10 a gallon, that if he imposes enough pain, that eventually everyone will have this this epiphany and get rid of that truck or get rid of that minivan and everyone will go buy an electric car. The move worked. People started confusing energy transition with inflation. Biden's polling plummeted. Mm. So Biden did what he could to at least look like he was combating high gas prices, even if that meant looking friendly to oil and gas. To kind of uh, take away the points that his critics might score against him, that, you know, he's he's anti-oil, he's okay with inflation, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't want conservatives scoring easy political points. And at the same time, he's trying to woo conservatives and other skeptics into being part of the energy transition, not by compelling them through executive action or something, but through incentives. Ah, carrots, not sticks. If you see the numbers, much of the money for EVs and battery production is actually going to red states. So the Biden administration has awarded billions of dollars in electric vehicle and battery production grants to states that voted for Trump. Even automakers like Ford and Hyundai, they're building EV and battery plants in Tennessee and Georgia. Republicans oppose climate policies when they're core climate policies. You put a different label of economic development, of energy security, and you start getting a different response, and you see that in practice. Texas leads in both solar and wind. It's overtaken uh, California in utility-scale solar. So there's something to be said about that. 
That's a wow. That's a that's very tactical. Very Joe the Octopus. This woo them with carrots approach. It's it's worked before in American history. I mean, Taylor, what car do you drive? I have a gray 2015 Honda Civic that is currently covered in pollen. So it's kind of yellow. So your car is actually one of the most popular vehicles in the country. Really? But it wasn't always that way. Back in the early 1980s, there was a lot of buy American mottos and anti-Japanese sentiment. Part of it was because of a trade war. The U.S. was importing a bunch of cars from Japan while our own auto plants were closing. People were losing jobs. They were getting riled up. You know, all the stuff of a Bruce Springsteen song. As Japanese imports continue to take a big chunk of U.S. consumers, the impact is felt in corporate bank accounts and on the unemployment line. Some 950 people are still laid off. There was a lot of political pressure on President Reagan. So we put a cap on how many cars the Japanese could sell in the U.S. I imagine they didn't love that. No. But instead of going toe-to-toe against Reagan and the Republicans, the Japanese automakers agreed to the cap, and then they did something else. They moved a lot of their manufacturing to the United States, but to the southern states, which are non-union, right to work, but it also created the constituency among southern senators and legislators to support the auto industry, Japanese auto industry. The cap eventually ended in 1994, and now Japanese cars are some of the most popular vehicles in America. And a lot of them are assembled right here in the U.S., in red states. Asim thinks the same thing could happen with renewables and EVs. As you start having more EV factories, you start having more battery factories, etc., etc., in southern states, the politics becomes very different. So legislators from Mississippi, from Georgia, from Tennessee now have political incentives to say, you know, this is good. This this makes sense to me in that, like, you have some conservatives who have tried to slash the budget for FEMA. But, you know, when there's a big mm-hmm. disaster in a red state, conservative governors aren't turning down federal assistance, right? Right. So I, I feel like what you're saying is that Biden fundamentally wants to change the economics, make it worth their while to invest in the renewable economy. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, you still might have conservatives who argue against climate action in their political rhetoric, but are actually super invested in growing their own green economies when it comes to you know, the future, right? the legislation. Show me the money. Show me the money. Asim says, in a democratic country where change is slow and your hold on power is shaky, this tactic, it is the best way to get to net zero. Stimulate the market in your favor. Don't risk your neck with high energy prices. Turn your enemies into your friends. What is important is that a smart leader understands the sense of our times. What are the political opportunities and what are the constraints? And given those constraints, the political leader can kind of navigate, shepherd, shape the policymaking process. So I think on that count, Biden has played an important role. The environmental groups didn't didn't get everything, but they got a lot. It's the highest ever federal spending on environmental programs. So given the track record of previous presidents and the political constraints they faced, I think Biden understood the need of the time and, you know, pushing the agenda while realizing that perfection is the enemy of the practical. So being being practical and pragmatic. Yeah, pragmatic. Joe, the pragmatic octopus. But <laughs> but will, I mean, will that approach get us to net zero by 2050? I mean, you could you could argue that, like, he has done more than every previous president. Um, and I think that is 
undeniable from a certain perspective, like dollars invested and that kind of thing. But will it do the climate job, I guess, is kind of the question. That is his stated goal. Yeah. The world's leading energy agency says probably not. In a recent report, it said, sure, we might hit EV targets, but global leaders also need to place moratoriums on new oil, gas, and coal developments right now. And this is why Joe the Octopus really bothers activists like Jean Sue. I mean, she says a climate emergency of this scale demands more. There is no way within the time span that we need to change our entire energy system that you can do that with pure carrots and no sticks. A strong government and a responsible government is one that has sticks and carrots, but sticks. Sticks for an industry that it has allowed so many millions of carrots for for the last 200 years of our industrial development. So instead of Joe the octopus, she's looking for like Joe the bull. No, this is actually where the bighorn sheep comes in. I like the image of Joe the bighorn sheep <laughs> smashing climate action with his with his curly horns. We've got a for the images on this episode, we should consider using like AI to create some Biden bighorn sheep. I think this is where AI begins to creep into our our workplace, Taylor. Yeah, this is it. This is the beginning. Gene says that using executive actions and essentially being like a bighorn sheep, it can work in this country. All you have to do is look at Republicans. The Republicans actually have no problem thinking that way. And in fact, they've gotten a lot of things done, like executive order got the border wall built, which which I personally litigated, used emergency powers to get funding to do that. Um, I think if you end up coming into power and say, I need to get in power again, so I'm going to make choices that are less or that are not what needed, but that will just let me still be in power, then what is the point of being in power? If you actually have it and you have it for a a, a finite period of time and we are facing the climate emergency, which we are, then I think it's incumbent on you as a world leader to do everything you can to race against the scientific clock that we have. So, Taylor, what do you think? Joe the Bighorn Sheep or Joe the Octopus? Well, I mean, she uh, she's pointing to, you know, the, the the border wall, for example, and all the things that President Trump was able to do through executive action. But, you know, President Trump was a one term president. Yeah. Um, so maybe Joe is trying to be a quote unquote consensus builder so he can get reelected. And then all of a sudden you're going to see him pulling all of these levers that she wants to see him pull. Lots of executive actions. Um mm-hmm. Especially because there's a chance that Democrats lose the Senate in 2024. So, right. you know, that's, that might be all he can do at that point. So I, I'm wondering if he's he's Joe the Octopus right now, but should he be reelected, all of a sudden you're going to see, the you know, the bighorn sheep Joe come out. It's like one of those hologram cards that when you turn it one way, you see Joe the Octopus, and then you turn it the other way, and it's Joe the bighorn sheep. <laughs> That could be our, that could be, no, never mind. I was going to say, that could be. <laughs> you can buy that at our shop today. Go to outsideinradio.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think? I mean, what's your, what's your take? Um, I think, I think that you're, you're right. But also like from a sheer climate perspective, if you want to hit net zero by 2050, I mean, you need Bighorn Joe. But there's also a chance that Bighorn Joe would lose to either Trump or DeSantis, and then you'd see another four-year lull with no climate action. So it kind of feels like, I don't know, it feels like to me like a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. So ultimately, what what like, what like you really need to move the world quickly or move the U.S. quickly on climate action 
is a bighorn octopus. <laughs> but that is just a very hard animal to come by in politics. <laughs> This episode was reported and produced by me, Nate Hedgie. It was edited by Taylor Quimby. Additional editing help from Justine Paradise, Felix Poon, Jessica Hunt, and Jungyoon Han. Our executive producer is Rebecca Lavoie. Music in this episode came from Blue Dot Sessions. The Outside In theme is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.